Hallelujah. Today I'm going to talk a little bit about what the Bible uh, means and what the whole thing means when the Bible says that we, you know, a person that causes somebody to, or causes offense, or causes somebody not to believe in Jesus, that he should actually take a millstone, hang it around his neck, and cast himself into the depth of the sea. Now you might say, Bertie, I don't want to listen to this, um, you know, that sounds too depressing, but I want to tell you this message is going to bless you. <laughs> it is the good news of Jesus Christ. It's actually all about what Jesus came to do upon the cross. It's all about being set free from the law. It's all about God bringing forth fruit in us and how we can conquer, uh, how we can experience the victory of the cross in Jesus. It, hasn't, it doesn't have anything to do with, um, with somebody that has maybe offended a child or something like that. Now, the reason why I would preach uh, about this is very simple. Uh, when we say that it is better for us or better for a person that causes offense to take a millstone, hang it about his neck and cast himself in the depth of the sea, and we say that Jesus actually said that, what a statement like that actually does is it paints a picture of something worse than death that, ca that uh, can happen to a person. And it brings forth the idea of uh, people of God being so angry with somebody if he's done something wrong or when he offended somebody that he would actually, um, you know, and we wouldn't know what it actually means, but we think of uh, an eternal fire wherein God will torture that person forever and ever, and he will be in, a, you know, it's like what I've said many times, and uh, jokingly, it is like, I said, you know, there's a separate hell just for banks, because where it is hotter, because the way they take your money, you know, it is just amazing, you know, or for the tax man, that, you know, we've got this thing, if somebody caused an offense, then there's this hell that's going to be burning, and there's going to be a hotter place for him, and God is going to basically take joy in some kind of a form in how this person suffers because he has come and he has oppressed um, the people of God. We even look at, uh, but if we look at how God dealt with people that was persecuting the church. You know, there was a guy that persecuted the church that, um, that was a terrorist, you know, and he was killing the church, uh, and his name was Paul the Apostle. He terrorized the church, he murdered the church, and God appeared to this terrorist called Saul and uh, ex explained the gospel to this guy, and he became Paul, the apostle. You know, uh, many people say that Jesus appeared there on the way to Damascus ready to murder Paul. That is not true. You know, uh, God's plan is never death. God's plan is always life. God's plan is always <laughs> repentance and helping somebody. You know, Paul, God was looking at the Apostle Paul and he knew what was going on in his heart. And he said to Paul, I see it is difficult for you to kick against the prodding that's in your heart that comes from the Holy Spirit. That's what the Bible says. And he says, since it's difficult for you to kick against what I'm telling you, it's not easy anymore, it's difficult. It's kind of as if you want to give in. I'm seeing that, yet you're under the pressure of all these people, you're making havoc of the church and following your traditions, I see what's in your heart and I see there's a little bit of room that I can come in and speak to you. And God made use of that opportunity. You know, I remember even one day preaching, you know, God slapped Paul from his horse. Um, I, I always believed that. 
And then somebody said to me, Bertie, can you show me the verse in the Bible that states that? You know what? There is no such a verse. It's just an assumption we made. God never slapped anybody. There's no such a verse in the Bible. If you can find it, please show it to me. There's no such a verse. If you go and read some commentaries, you will see that he talks about Paul uh, at a certain time of the day praying and the Lord speaking to him. So we, God is always kind. He's always gentle. He always wants people to have life and abundance of life. Now, those of you that have listened to my message on Lazarus and the rich man, this will be easy for you uh, to understand. And I also want to just say this. If, if you've slotted in today for the first time, I want to apologize because this is going to be a little bit of a theological uh, teaching. But I'm sure if you just uh, listen and have an open heart, the Holy Spirit will declare to you, um, you know, what is going on. But the reason why I preach this is so that we can have uh, the correct view about God as pertaining to this passage. Because if we have this thing of it would have been better for that person or it is better for him to put a, a millstone around his neck and be cast into the sea because, you know, it, it paints a bit of a picture of a hateful God. And the moment we have that, our hearts cannot really trust God. You know, if we, we need to be at a place, I said it this morning as well, we need to be at a place where, um, when, where when we do something wrong and we know that what I've done wrong will cause people to be against me, it might be a shameful thing or anything like that, that we can say, at least we know there's one person that understands me and that will love me, even if what I've done was willful and it will care for me with all of his life, and that is God. That's what we need. That, that's where we need to be. We, we shouldn't have this thing where there's fear in our heart when we think of God and we think of our uh, sins. When you think of sin and you think of God, you think of the one that protects you against the condemnation and the guilt and the death that sin brings. God is for us and not against us. And with any teaching that puts God in a bad light, um, we are at a place where we can be tempted to believe that lie and be led astray into a place where we cannot actually trust God. And you know, when you cannot trust somebody, then you're going to fall back onto your own ability and you're going to trust your own ability to get yourself out of that situation. That's going to destroy yourself you, you even more. Now, um, Luke 16, if you go and read from Luke 16 verse 19, it talks about the rich man and Lazarus. And the whole context of Luke 16, we've seen it as, you know, there was a rich man and there was Lazarus and the rich man didn't give any, um, you know, food to Lazarus and God knew that he wasn't generous and because he wasn't generous when he died, then he opened up his eyes in hell and he was burning in this fire, you know, and then uh, Abraham and the people that was on the other side in heaven could look at um, at him and could do nothing about it and he couldn't come out of there and he will be in this eternal torture and there was Lazarus and he went to heaven you know that is the the picture we have and when we look at that we actually scared we feel you know my God I hope I'm generous enough I hope I do good enough um, you know and because I don't want to go to hell and that hell is eternal and and Nothing can take you out of that, and you are scared. In the meantime, this passage doesn't talk about that at all. This passage doesn't talk about that. It talks, what, what this talks about, um, and if we want to take this literally, 
we must say that we are saved from hell by our generosity. In other words, if you give money to the poor, you'll be saved from hell. And if you are poor now on the earth, you will automatically go to heaven. Because that is what, if you literally interpret this, or, or read it literally, that is what you will, will, will get and take from it. Because if you go and look at the rich man speaking to Abraham, he said to Abraham, Abraham, I'm in this terrible place. Send Lazarus, and Lazarus is in the good place. He said, listen, man, when you were on the earth, you had all the good things. And Lazarus had the bad. And now you have the bad, and he has the good. Now, <laughs> that means, if we take it literally like that, that means that all people that are poor automatically goes to heaven, and all people that are rich automatically goes to hell. That is what it, if we want to just take it for face value. But that is not what it means. What it talks about is it talks about the Jews and the Gentiles. The rich guy talks about the Jews that lived richly in all the information and all the prophetic words that God gave about salvation that was to come. And the, the job of the Jews was basically to, um, to, uh, to bring in the gospel to all the Gentiles because a promise was to Abraham that in him all the nations shall be blessed. But what the Jews did was they took this, the prophetic words about the Messiah and the salvation message just for themselves, and they didn't want to include the Gentiles. They said, these Gentiles are just sinners. Now, if you go and look at, um, at this parable, you will see that Lazarus does talk about the Gentiles because uh, you remember the, the story where the Greek lady came to Jesus and said to Jesus, Jesus, my daughter... Um, you know, need, has got demons and she needs freedom. And Jesus said to her, you are a dog. You know, what, why shall I take the bread of the children and give it to the dogs? And then she said, even the dogs eat the crumbs that falls from the master's table. And the Bible says that Lazarus was at the gate of the rich man wanting the crumbs that comes from the master's table. That's what Lazarus wanted. So it talks about this rich man and Lazarus. And then very interesting, it says that the angels carried Lazarus to the bosom of Abraham. That word angels there, go and study it out in the Greek for yourself. It means preachers or pastors. That's what it means. So what it talks about, it talks about the Gentiles that will get saved and get delivered from bondage and will be in the bosom of Abraham, meaning in the heart of Abraham, which was Abraham believed that in him all the nations shall be blessed because of God's promise. That's what it means. So the rich man and Lazarus was actually God saying to the Jews that um, there's going to come a time when the Gentiles will inherit what was promised, you know, to Abraham. And you will look at it and you will be in a flame and you will be tortured by looking at this blessing that comes to people that you think don't deserve it. Remember the scripture I quoted in that message where it says that um, when it talks about a gnashing of teeth, it says, and this was the Old Testament understanding of gnashing of teeth, it, the Bible says the righteous will come and bless the poor and the ungodly will look at how the righteous blesses the poor and he will gnash with his teeth because he will say it's not right 
that this guy just gives to the poor for free. And here he comes with the same torture, the same flame, the same gnashing of teeth. And he says to the Jews, you will gnash with your teeth when you see how good I am to the Gentiles. That's what will take place. The Jewish system, and this, this was a, a message was saying, you cannot be saved by your works. You cannot be saved by the law. I'm ending that. I'm casting all of that out. That's what I'm busy with. That's what I'm doing. And he was warning the Jews, and he was saying to the Jews, listen, there's no way wherein I, wherein I can save Judaism. Judaism and the law system cannot be saved. It will be, as long as what you're in the law system, you will see pain in your heart because you will see how God is good to those who don't deserve it. You know, I, I look at one of my friends that went through a very difficult time uh, in his life. He was a great supporter of our ministry, and, um, and then he went through a, a very, very rough time. And you can actually think of the prodigal son, you know, where he went and through um, wasteful living, just destroyed his own life um, to the point where he got divorced and just lost everything, everything, everything. And, um, it, you know, when we look at a person like that, we kind of understand, you know, that is what he brought over himself. He, he didn't want to listen. He didn't want to yield to the gospel. didn't want to, whatever it was, his, his, his life is destroyed and we can understand that. Now, if a person like that came to a town and he abused people there, he stole their money, he did wrong, he did all those kind of things, what would we think if God comes, if he comes and he experiences the love of God and he gives himself over to the love of God and God starts to raise him up and he becomes the richest guy in town and he prospers in everything he does? It's almost as if you say, but that's not fair. That is not fair. Do you know how many people he's harmed? Do you know how, how many people he's lied to? Do you know this? He doesn't deserve that. And there's, there's like a pain in the heart. It's almost like the older brother and the younger brother in the parable, just the chapter before chapter 16, chapter 15, where the Bible says there was a guy who had two sons. The one worked for the father, and the other one was a prodigal, wasted his life, and then the prodigal came home, and what did the father do? He slaughtered the fatted calf. And then there was pain in the older brother's heart when he saw that, because he said, that is not fair. I've worked to have something, in the meantime, this guy wastes your things and you still bless him. And what God was doing is he was saying to the Gentiles, listen, I've got a son you don't know of. That's what he basically said. Another uh, place he said, I've got sheep that you don't know of. Um, and the very same thing, when, we, when, the, when the Jews saw how God accepts the Gentiles, they couldn't, they couldn't handle that because they wanted they wanted the Judaism system. They wanted the law. They wanted life by, I am a Jew, and I obey the laws, and I do what's right, and because I do what's right, that's why, why I'm going to have life. Now, with that said, we're going to go to chapter 17, and we're going to look at this millstone thing and where that comes from. It says here, Then Jesus said unto his disciples, It is impossible, but that offenses will come. But woe unto him through whom they come. It would be better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and cast into the sea than he should offend one of these little ones. Now that, is, that comes directly out of chapter 16 where he was talking about the Gentiles. And the Gentiles coming in, Lazarus being in the bosom of Abraham and 
um, how he said, and, and it would be better for, um, for, for a person to have a millstone put around his neck and be cast into the sea than to have any of these believers, the people that come to Christ, to be offended. Now, <coughs> what is he talking about there? Is he talking about a preacher that preaches the law? What is he talking about? Is he talking about um, offending a Christian? What's he talking about? He's actually not talking about any of those. He's actually talking about that which brings offense or that causes you to offend. And the only thing that can cause a man to offend or to trespass is to try and find life by the works of the law. That's what he's trying to say. He was saying to the Jews, listen, I'm ending the law system. I'm ending the law system. Why? Because the law system, as if it stays in place, it will offend my children. It will cause my children to come to a fall. So I am not going to mix in the law with Judaism uh, or, or the law with grace. I'm going to end all of that. I want to end that because I don't want any of these people to be offended. Now you might say, Matthew, where do you get that? Let's read on. It says... Verse 3 says, Take heed of yourselves. If your brother trespass against you, rebuke him. If he repents, forgive him. If he trespass against you seven times in a day, and seven times in a day turn again to you, saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. And the apostle said unto him, Lord, increase our faith. And he said, If you had faith as a grain of mustard seed, you have the authority to say unto this sycamine tree, Be plucked up by the root, and be planted in the sea, and it shall obey you. Now listen to what he's saying. He's saying, he was just talking about a millstone put around the neck of a man that would be cast into, uh, and be cast into the sea. Now, in, the, in those times in Syria and in Greece, what they were believing and, and the, the saying about a millstone around the neck was, if a person, if a woman would poison people, this is in the old laws, if you go and read some ancient texts and, 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 and writings. If a woman would poison, or as I said, and this law says if a woman, if a woman would poison a man or po put poison in the food of people, the punishment for her was to put a millstone around her neck and cast her into the ocean. That was the punishment for somebody that would poison someone else. It also says if somebody had a famine, or ha carried a sickness that could... Um, you know, bring a famine to the whole nation. That guy, a millstone was put around his neck and cast into the ocean. Why? To stop the famine. Now, what is the famine that is in man? What is that which, <coughs> which brings forth, de forth death in us? The Bible says the ministration of death was written on stones. And he, what he actually comes and what he's saying, he talks about a millstone, talks about labor, talking about hard work. He says, if hard work offends you, if it would be better, it would be better to end the hard work system than to have people offended. What he's saying is, he says, it would be better if we could end the law system, if we could end Judaism, if we could end all of that, lest any believer be offended or fall away from the truth and enter into eternal death. That's what he's saying. And you might say, Bertie, but how can that be? He, he, he says here, 
I'm going to repeat this. And it uses a, a saying of those days that if somebody carried a famine or carried a sickness or carried poison, he should be put into the bottom of the ocean. And he was talking just before that, that he's ending the law system that couldn't bring forth life. He was ending the death system, and the Jews need to understand that. He's coming to end the law. He's coming to take away the special right of the Jew. That's what he's coming to take away. And he's bringing in salvation as a free gift. And he wants to wipe away the law completely, lest the law be an offense to the people um, that, that believe. That is what God, is, what God said. And now he goes on here, and, he's, and he uses a great example. He said to the disciples, let me basically explain to you what this is all about. If your brother sins against you, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day, continue to forgive him for the same sin. You shall forgive him. The first, what happens if you bring such a law to a person? You find the inability. You find, I cannot do it. It's like if you take a bucket of sweets, and I put it here, if I take a bucket of sweets and I put it right on the top of that, um, of, of, you know, of the, these pallets here, and I say to my kids, you're not allowed to take some of those sweets. You know what's going to happen? They're going to climb on there and they're going to get it. Why? Because a law brings forth sin in you. A law brings forth a power in you that causes you to... Uh, to, to carry the fruit of death. That is what happens. Now, Jesus used the very same thing here. These disciples, you know, they, were very, they, they thought they were very smart and they were forgiving enough and they were forgiving three times a day and those kind of things. But here Jesus comes and raises the bar and says to them, I want to explain to you what I'm talking about here. I'm going to bring forth something that can bring offense to you. And what he did was, he said, Forgive seven times a day for the same thing, let me see. The first thing they said is, oh my gosh, Lord, I, I cannot forgive seven times. Increase my faith, in other words, increase my ability to, and, and my, my willpower that I can use willpower to obey your law and that I can do it. Increase my power to do this. You know what Jesus said? He's talking about the millstone and casting the millstone into the ocean. Remember, this is just the next verse. He says here, he says, um, in verse 6, he says, If you have faith as the grain of mustard seed, you may say to the sycamine tree, Be plucked up by the root and be planted into the sea, and it shall obey you. So he's talking about a millstone and a sycamine tree, an Afrikaans moerbeboom. The, the, he talks about these things as the same thing and the end of it being planted in the bottom of the ocean. What is all this about? So what he was saying, and we must remember, Sycamore tree talks about a fig tree. It's a kind of a fig tree if you read the, the, uh, the Greek on what, what kind of a tree it is. What it says is, it says, listen, you want to clothe yourself with your own righteousness. You want to clothe yourself with forgiving seven times. And as you come and you try to clothe yourself with forgiving seven times, you realize that you cannot clothe yourself by how many times you forgive. And you find that there's a root of sin coming forth in you. But I want to tell you, if you've got the correct faith, you will not try to forgive seven times to be clothed by your good works. But you will say to this system that causes you to feel guilty, 
and feel like a sinner and bring forth sin in you, be planted in the sea and it shall obey you. So what he's talking about is you will actually, if you believe the correct thing, you will have the power to say to the poison that comes to you, to that which poisons you with sin and discouragement and guilt and condemnation, be planted into the sea or be removed from me and it shall be done. And what poisons us? What poisons man is the system that says, I can be saved by my good works. That is all. So what man, when the Bible says it would be better, it would be better for a millstone to be put around the neck and to be cast, for that man to be cast into the sea. He's not talking about a preacher. He's not talking about you. He's talking about God looking at the old law system, looking at Judaism, looking at all the prophetic words, looking at the Ten Commandments, looking at all the laws, and what he was saying is, he said, that through this, this system, man, this law system can offend my children. And it would be better for this system to be removed. And this comes from uh, from chapter 16 where he talks about the pain that the Jews will have in their hearts when they see Judaism being ended and those that don't obey the law, those who don't believe in the law and those who are not circumcised, how they are the blessed. And God says, when I come with my love and when I come with my grace, it would be better for me to destroy the law system even if it would be painful for the Jewish people. And he explains to us that when we get the correct belief, we will be able to have the authority to say to that which destroy ourselves, be planted into the sea. What it actually says is, when we have the correct belief, which is that God gives us life for free, we will be set free from sin in the flesh. That is what it talks about. Let me uh, quote another verse that, um, that explains that further. And we go to Romans 8. Romans 8. Now, like I said, today is very technical, you know, but we, we also have people that love theology and love those kind of things in our church. And we need to minister to those folk, you know. And I know there's some of you guys that are really blessed by this. And it just brings the God and His goodness to just a different level in our hearts. Because God said, it is not good that we have the law continue to exist and give place for that at all. We're going to end that. Romans 8 talks about, um, I just want to find the right verse here. I didn't write this verse down. But what it says here, it basically says that if we through the Spirit mortify the deeds of the flesh, we shall live. So what it actually says here, and what Paul says in Romans 7, Paul said, when I was under the law, um, the good that I wanted to do, I could not do. And the more I wanted to do the good, the more sin came up in me. He actually quoted the 10th commandment in Romans 7, and he said, when I wanted to keep the law that says you shall not desire, you shall not desire your neighbor's stuff and your neighbor's wife and all those kind of things. He says, the more I wanted to keep that law, the more I found that sin 
revived in me. But when I realized what Christ has done, I could come to a place where I say, life is not by the law. But life is by simply believing in Jesus and that His Spirit would give me life. When Paul came to that revelation, do you know what he did? He actually spoke to the fig tree in his life. And he was saying, listen, I don't have to clothe myself with fig leaves. I don't have to have any of this. When I have got the correct faith which says, I don't have to obey any law to have eternal life. But God can give eternal life to a sinner and conquer his sin and conquer his death just by his goodness, by his kindness. When Paul came to that revelation, you know what happened? He was completely set free from the power of sin in his life. That's what took place. So Jesus came to his disciples in Luke 17. He said to them, let me explain to you how this works. Forgive seven times. Oh my goodness. All of a sudden, the good that I want to do, I can't do. Lord, give me more strength that I can do the good that I want to do. Listen, my disciples, I want to tell you something. It is better that we take this whole system on how many times you need to forgive, which poisons you with, with that thing that says whenever you want to do good, you're doing the bad. It's better to take that, the woman that poisons, the, the, the man who carries the famine, it's better to take that and put it in the bottom of the ocean. And I want to tell you, if you have got, seed, have got the faith like a mustard seed, you just need a little bit of the correct persuasion. And you will find a power inside you that uproots this whole thing about, are you guilty or aren't you guilty? Have I obeyed enough or have I not obeyed enough? That is what it's all about. It's not about God coming trying to punish anybody. It's all about God coming to kill the man that wants to kill you, which is the man that finds his righteousness by his works, the man that wants to clothe himself with fig leaves by works righteousness. This is what it's all about. It's all about God ending a system where we are blessed, where we find, try and find life by our good works. So um, let me wrap this up. God has come. And he looked at man and he said, and this is how I see it happen. Adam came and he believed that he could have life by his good works. Later on, God came in, um, and gave the law, the Ten Commandments, wrote the ministration of death down, you know, on stones, gave it to, um, to the people, all the laws, all the prophets, everything that spoke prophetically. Uh, about Jesus. And we might ask, you know, why all these things about sacrifices? Why all of that? You know, that was a language wherein God spoke to Jesus. So that when Jesus would come as a man to this earth, that he would have physical things in this earth through which the Father could speak to him in the light of the Holy Spirit that was in his heart, that he could understand how to save man. The Old Testament laws and all those things was never given to us so that we could have life by the law. The old law was given, and all the prophetic words, and all the types and the shadows, and, the, and all the s sacrifices and ceremonies and everything, was never given for the Jews to keep, so that blessing could come their way. It was 
only given for this reason, so that Jesus, through doing that, could understand how to save us. That's what it's all about. When Jesus, when you read the Old Testament, you need to know it was written to Jesus as a manual on how to go about to save man. You can read that in Psalm 40, and I've preached it many times in this internet church. So the Old Testament was written in that way. And God came and he said, you know what? Let me come in Jesus and let me end the man of law. It is better that that man die. It is better that that poison die. And what did Jesus do? He came as a man under the law. He came as a man, you know, uh, uh, that, that, that was born under the law. He, was, he, he became Adam in all of his sin. Um, not having his own sin, he took it upon him. And what actually happened was, when Jesus died, what happened? That was when this whole Judaism thing, separation, and all those kind of things took place. And Jesus Christ took, uh, he was that man. He was that man who, who carried the millstone. What is the millstone? It talks about labor, enslavement. You know, they had these donkeys that was grinding the, the, the wheat. Or they would even have slaves grinding that, talking about enslavement, hard work, you know, and taking that weight, that burden, you know, and casting it over into the depth of the sea. You know, the Bible also says that he's buried my sins in the depth of the sea. He's carried my guilt far away. So what he's saying is it is better for God to come and end the system of guilt, to end the system of disqualification. That's what it talks about. You can even go and read Mark, um, I think it's, is it <coughs> uh, Mark 13, uh, where it talks about, or was it Mark 11, where it talks about uh, Jesus saying, you know, if you have the correct faith, you will not only do what was done to the fig tree when Jesus cursed the fig tree and it dried up to its roots, but he says you will not just do what was done to the fig tree, but you will say to this mountain, be cast into the sea. What was that mountain? It was the Temple Mount where the Temple was standing. They were just outside of Jerusalem, looking at the Temple Mount with a Temple on top of it and the whole Judaism system. And then he says, you will say to this system, be cast into the ocean. Why? Because it's better for God to take the lawman and cast him into the depth of the ocean. Why? Because the lawman is poisoning his people and causing offense in their lives. Glory to God. Isn't God a good God? Isn't He a loving God? Even scriptures where we thought, you know, God is just wanting to destroy even the preachers of the law. If God wanted to destroy the preachers of the law, how would I ever gotten saved or gotten into the good news? It would be impossible. You know, Jesus, even when the Jews wanted, when the Jews organized His crucifixion, Cleverly organized that. What did Jesus do? He said to those who were nailing him, forgive them, they know not what to do. What did he say to, to Israel? He said, he said, like a hen gathers her chicks, I wanted to gather you, but you didn't want to. I'm sorry to bring this up, you know, but we've got this, we've got a theology that says that God got so upset with Israel um, that he kept his covenant and destroyed the Jews in 70 AD. That God came 
And he, because the Jews didn't keep their part and didn't want the Lord, he came and he just came in and just wiped them away and killed all of them. And worked in the, 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 the Romans to go and cut women up. Uh, uh, I mean, they did the most horrible things. Pre pregnant women, they were cut open. The fetuses were trampled underfoot, you know, in the streets of Jerusalem. They were crying, and, and it said that God did that because, you know, these people didn't want to accept. Let me tell you something. There were people that didn't want to accept Jesus, and the disciples was walking with Jesus and uh, in Samaria. They didn't want to allow Jesus to walk through their town. And listen to what um, the disciples said. They were called the sons of thunder. And they said, Lord, shall we call fire from heaven to destroy them just like Elijah called fire? You know what Jesus said? He said, you don't know what spirit you are of. I have not come to destroy men's lives. I've come to save them. And God, in his love, can look and say, I want to save somebody, but they don't want to, and see them die. And he would not be the cause of that death. He would be the lifesaver that wants to save, but they don't want to. He's not going to go and try and kill people. That is not who God is. Even those, I tell you now, the greatest, per, the person that is, persecuting the grace message today. Let me tell you something. The guy, who, the, the greatest persecutor of the grace message, I want to tell you God loves that person. God declares to him his forgiveness. God declares to him his love. God declares to him his kindness. And he is not saying, well, you know, because you've done that, I'm gonna, I've got a hotter place for you in hell. No, that is not God's heart. When he was talking about the millstone, when he was talking about the sycamore tree and all those kind of things, he was talking and he was saying, you know what? It's better for the lawman to be drowned in the depth of the ocean than for God's people to be offended and fall away from the love of God and die an eternal death. That's what he was saying. He's come to put a millstone around the lawman's neck and be cast into the ocean. And he cast no man into the ocean but himself. He came and he became that man under the law. And he brought death to the law system. That is our loving God. That is our caring God. Now when I say that, I, just, I, can just, I get emotional about it. Because we see a father that loves his people so much that he cannot see. That, that he, he, he hates what destroys his people. And he said, even if it takes my life to destroy what destroys people, I'm willing to make that sacrifice that my people can believe. Glory to God. And if we've got the correct belief, when we see this millstone thing, when we, when we see how God has cast the law man, the man that brings forth, the man of sin, um, the, the, the man of death, when he cast that into the depth of the ocean, and we've got the correct faith, we will say to the root of that which brings forth death in us, be plucked up and cast into the ocean. It will take place. How will we say that? Not by this authority thing, in the name of Jesus. Not like that. The way Paul did it. How did Paul see that, that uprooted, the fig tree uprooted out of his heart? 
So when he came to the revelation that he cannot find life by trying to obey the Ten Commandments, but that he can only find life by tr trusting God, that God can be good to a sinner. The moment he did that, he found that sin started to fall off, off his life, and he started to find the joy of God in the midst of hard times, flooding his heart, contentment come to him, truth coming to him, and the life of Christ manifest in him. Glory to God. Man, I'm blessed. This message has really blessed me. I trust that it's blessed you um, as well. Go to the Lord and say, Lord, I just feel by the Holy Spirit to say this. If you are at a place where you find destruction in your life, if you are in a place where you find difficulty in your life, I want to say to you, go to the Lord and say to him, show to me how you've ended the lawman. The millstone was for the neck of the lawman. It's not for any man's neck, but the lawman. And that was done, dealt with in Christ. He's killed, he's ended the law system. That's what he's done. And if ask the Lord to show that to you. Ask the Lord to show you his faithfulness. Ask the Lord how he can bring forth life to you, even in the midst of all of your distress. You know, this, this, um, <clears throat> like this friend of mine that went through a hard time, you know what he said? He said he was at a place where he said to God, God, I'm even worse off than the prodigal son. The prodigal son still had energy to walk home. I'm like, like that little lost sheep. If you don't come to me and pick me up where I am, I'm never going home. But I'm here. I'm too weak to go home. I cannot stop this sin in my life. I cannot stop these things. I can you know what? God picked him up right there and restored his life. And that's beautiful to me. That is just the Savior God that, that, that we have. And I want to say to you, if you are there, all you say to God is, God, maybe I cannot walk home like the prodigal did. But I, and I'm lost and I'm cold. I'm out here in, in the mountains in the weather. I'm lost. I'm, I'm scared for my life. There are wolves out here. I'm, I'm about to be destroyed. But I call upon you and I'm just waiting here until you find me pick me up. Let me tell you something. The Bible says the shepherd will look for that sheep until he finds him. And then he will carry him and bring him home and rejoice. God values you, my friend. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for your love and your kindness. Thank you that you've come and you've put a millstone around the neck of that which plagues your people. And you've cast it into the depth of the ocean. We even see the type and shadow of that when you led the people out of Egypt through the Red Sea and how you closed the sea on that which oppresses the people. Thank you for your love and your kindness, Lord, in Jesus' name. I pray for everybody that's watching now. Thank you, Lord, that they can experience your blessedness and your kindness and your love right now in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. I would like to...